Good morning, familia. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Hannibal Rodriguez, one of the pastors here at church, and I wanted to welcome you all again, whether you are uh, worshiping with us in person or you worship with us online. We are so grateful that you are here, that you chose to worship with us today. Before the preaching of the word, uh, I have a couple of things that I want us to pray for, um, or at least I want us to uh, hear. Number one is, uh, as many of you guys know, we have an extension of our church in the Streamwood area. Uh, it's called Tri-Village Church, where Pastor uh, Eric Salomon is the, the teaching lead pastor, campus pastor over there. Um, and I don't know how many of you guys actually know that, if you're receiving the, the e-news from the church, but um, we are located in the Awana building, and Awana um, kind of moved out a few months ago, and they put uh, the building uh, for sale. So um, in the near future, we're talking about within weeks, um, we're going to know if the building uh, was sold to somebody or if it wasn't sold or if we need to do something else. So actually, this is kind of a, a very um, unique and delicate place for us. We have been in this building, in, this, in that location for six years. The Lord uh, took us there, but it seems like if, it seems like if the Lord has different plans for us uh, as TVC. Uh, so there are three things that, uh, that I, I want you to pray for, all right, as a congregation, because we really need the Lord to respond and to do something. Number one, um, I need you to pray for the new owners of the of, of Awana building, um, because we don't know if the owners are going to like us to stick around there, right? So we need to, to the Lord to give us either people that wouldn't mind that we have a church there. Number two, we could also pray that the Lord gives us a new location, maybe a better location. Um, uh, we prefer that it's in that area as well, so we don't have to ask our people to move to different places. Or you could pray so you could buy the building. <laughs> and then we, we don't have to struggle anymore, right? Um, so I'm, seriously, pick one of those, whichever applies to you the most. Um, that's the, one, the first thing that I want you to do. I'm going to pray for that in a second as a group. Uh, but the second thing that I, that I want you to also to pay attention to is that as a church, we believe that um, giving is an act of worship. And we not only we worship the Lord with the things we say and how we live, but we also worship the Lord with our wallets. Amen? amen. If you said amen, you better be one of those. Um, so I want to invite you to continue to support the church because the church is worthy, the calling is worthy, the mission is worthy, God's people is worthy. Amen? Uh, there's three ways in, you, in which you can continue to support the church. You can go to wittenbible.org slash give. You could always drop your offering in one, by one of the boxes at the entrances. Um, and you could always, if you're worshiping with us online, you could send your offering to the offices of the church. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that um, as we were singing, Lord, that you reign. That's why, Lord, even though we are worried about the future of TVC, at the same time, we're not. You're still in control. You're still going to give us what we need. You're still going to respond somehow. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you provide for us not only, uh, not only a, a place, at Streamwood, Lord, if, if we ought to stay there or move to a different location, or we know, Lord, and we ask that you provide for some sort of solution. We ask, Lord, for the TVC uh, group, for the leadership, the, for the congregants, for the people that serve there, Lord. This has been their house for six years. We pray, Lord, please, in the name of Jesus, that you do something on our behalf. 
and that we'll be able to um, find uh, some sort of stability there, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you continue to use your church for the glory of your name, that you continue to use your church in generous ways, Lord, so we not only continue to do ministry here, Lord, but support ministers all over the place, all over the world. And I also pray for my brothers and sisters that might be going through difficult times. Lord, could you please show yourself to them? Would you please show your power and your grace and your mercy and your peace and your joy? We are here, Lord, because you are good. And we are here, Lord, because you brought us here. We are trusting you because you loved us already. There's no reason why we should doubt you in any other way. Now, please speak to us. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we all say? All right, for the last few weeks, we have been doing a series called Gospel Culture, in which we're looking into 12 different biblical traits that, um, that give us a description of what a biblical church looks like. Um, it also helps us for us to continue to grow our experience in our, what, what we call spiritual renewal, continue growth in our relationship with, with the Lord, or it gives us the things that are necessary for us to remain faithful and fruitful in the midst of a changing culture, changing society. So far, we have talked about the supremacy of the Scripture, the centrality of the gospel, the power of prayer, the pleasure of worship, and the pursuit of the common good. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is usually not very popular for a Sunday morning sermon. We're going to talk about the significance of leadership. Let me give you three reasons why this is not usually a sermon that is preached on Sunday morning, and why is it that it's actually, uh, it, it makes us, some of us, feel a little bit uh, weird, right? Um, number one, there's a personal reason why preaching a sermon like this feels weird, because, uh, you know, if you're listening to this sermon, or you will listen to this sermon, um, it seems like if Hannibal has an agenda, right, it seems kind of convenient that if he's one of the leaders in the church, of course he's going to talk about leadership. But if that's your case, I, I want to invite you to stick around until the end of the sermon. Because what the Lord has called all spiritual leaders to do is no easy call. And it's not about power or position or anything like that. The second reason why this feels kind of weird is because of uh, cultural things, right? There's this misunderstanding of what uh, spiritual leadership is. The tendency is either to idolize leadership or to completely reject it. Actually, I make a distinction almost between the traditional culture and the modern culture. The traditional culture could have the tendency to idolize leadership. Just do what people tell you to do. On the other hand, the Modern culture is almost like, yeah, we don't need leadership. Who needs to follow anybody? And I'm here to argue that none of those two positions are biblical. That you, all, that you cannot idolize leadership, but at the same time, you cannot ignore it. And number three, why this sermon may feel a little bit weird, is because I know that there's people here, people listening to this sermon, who have been victims of abusive and tyrannical leadership, and that has left scars in some of us. And to you, I want to say that I'm, I'm sorry if that was your experience, but even, even if that's a reality, we still have to stick to what the Bible says. Just because human beings don't know how to follow the Bible well, doesn't mean that there's a mistake or something wrong with the Bible. 
So my intention today is to explain to the church as much as I can why is it that leadership is, is significant. And for that, we're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 9. And then we're going to read verses 17 through 19. Could you please stand for the reading of God's word? Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 9, and then chapter 13, verses 17 through 19. If you're still here, can you please say, I'm here. here. This is the word of the Lord. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit of those who do so. Verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be of joy, or will be joy, not burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Lord, we ask once again that you use your word to speak into our hearts and correct our thinking and find Jesus more and more beautiful. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And we all say... Need you to take a seat, please. These are the two questions I'm going to try to answer today. Why is leadership significant? And why would anyone honor this thing called leadership? Now, um, don't, don't think that because you only have, I have two questions, the sermon is going to be short. <laughs> you know, that's not the case. And I, I want to be clear right from the beginning. This sermon is more for me and for the elders, and for the ministers, and for the lay leaders, than everybody else. So if you want to leave, this is the time to leave. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to argue that almost everyone is come somehow to some level of leadership at one point. So I need you to do me a favor and look at the person next to you and say to the person, Hannibal is in trouble. Go ahead. All right, let's answer the first question. Why is leadership significant? I want to start by uh, quoting uh, Dr. D.A. Carson, which is a biblical scholar. And this is what he says about leadership. Genuine reformation and revival have never occurred in a church apart from leaders from whom devotion to God is of supreme importance. Let me give you my translation of that. Dr. Carson says that the type of leaders the church needs and the type of leaders the church uses, the leaders like elders, pastors, ministers, and lay leaders are not the most charismatic ones to use, are not the most gifted ones he used, are not the ones that have the most experience and are not the ones that with, with more titles and are not the most successful in the world, the ones that he used. God uses, said Dr. Carson, and I agree with him, that the kind of leaders the church needs and the kind of leaders the church uh, that God uses 
are the ones that are obsessed with God and not power. Obsessed with the kingdom of God and not titles nor influence. Obsessed with the glory of God and not his or her own reputation. Obsessed with God's people, not the love of self. And based on these texts, there are at least six things that we could learn about church leadership or spiritual leadership. And for that matter, anybody that is a Christian that aspires to be some sort of leader. leader. So I'm going to give you the first one. The book of Hebrews describes a leader as uh, a servanthood, leadership as servanthood. Notice that he uses the word leaders in verse 7 and in verse 17. And it's interesting because the, the translation for the word leader there is not just someone that leads with spiritual authority, but it's someone that serves or guides, meaning that God gives a spiritual authority to some people, not just for them to be above everybody else, not for lordship, but to give and to serve. Right from the beginning, you can see the main difference between the secular mentality about leadership and the biblical mentality about leadership. God gives a spiritual leadership. We're going to use the word power for a second. Not for self-serving, not to be recognized and adored, not to have influence, but the primary reason why God gives spiritual authority power to some people is for the sake of the church, is to serve the church, is to serve others. You know what's interesting? I've never seen a secular job description of leadership that says that. I've never seen any secular job description that says that if you get hired in a company, it's not, so ele- it's not so for you to elevate yourself, but it's to serve others. Isn't this what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20? Look at how he makes this comparison between the biblical mentality and the secular mentality. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over people, meaning uh, overpower or exercise dominion over people. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Now listen to this. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Once again... Never seen a secular job description that talks about leadership and says, hey, by the way, you're going to be a servant and a slave. (laughs) Never heard of that before. You know why? Because that's a unique biblical Christian view of leadership. Leaders is servanthood. Just imagine for a second if every single one of us, the Lord placed in some sort of position of spiritual leadership, and we live in the world like that. Completely countercultural. Because the culture says the opposite. Listen to John Stott in his book, Calling Christians Leaders. Power makes an immediate appeal to all of us. For we live in a society that worships power. The lust for power has always been a distinctive of, human, of the human story at least since Adam and Eve were offered power in exchange of obedience. Still today, the three major human ambitions, listen up, church, the pursuit of money, fame, and influence, 
which by the way, that has leaked all the way inside the church. The pursuit of money, fame, and influence are all concealed drive for power. Indeed, we see the thirst for power everywhere. Power. It is, the most, it, it is more intoxicating than alcohol, more addictive than drugs. Power tends to corrupt. Absolute powers corrupts absolutely. Maybe Jesus knew something about the human heart that has the tendency to grab good things and make it, make it into God things. Maybe Jesus knew that true leadership is servanthood. Second thing that the book of Hebrews tells us about leadership is that leadership is heralding. Verse 7, remember you leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Can you say speak? The word speak there is not just preaching and it's not just teaching and it's just not just talking. I believe that the concept of uh, the word of God here, speaking the word of God here, has to do with heralding, meaning that we allow the word to be proclaimed in all areas of life. That one of the primary responsibilities of spiritual leaders is to keep the word of God at the center of everything. That one of the primary responsibilities of spiritual leaders is to inform, direct, influence with the word of God, to edify and equip with the word of God. Listen up, church. The Bible tells me that my primary responsibility, or one of my primary responsibilities, is to be a pastor teacher. Not a CEO, not a visionary, not a great administrator, not as a person that knows how to create systems and programs, not as someone that tries to help the church to become relevant. See, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with any of that. I would say that some of that stuff falls under the category of what theologians call common grace. Things that the Lord has given to everyone for the sake of everyone. So as a church, we do have the freedom to learn and apply some of those things. But spiritual leaders must remember and never forget that God gives a spiritual authority, a spiritual leadership to some. So we learn how to put the Bible in the center of everything. We preach, we teach, we apply, we edify and equip believers Listen up, church, and everything else is secondary because there's only power in his word. There's only power in his word. Leadership and the word of God are inseparable. Any person that wants some sort of leadership must truly believe the word of God. Inseparable. The book of Hebrews talks about leadership as example. Now, this is about to get awkward. And to be honest, this is one of the most complicated verses, not to explain, but to apply. It says, remember you leaders, consider... The outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Interesting that the word remember there means not just try to remember so you don't forget the leaders. 
The word remember there is almost like keep on thinking, keep in mind who the leaders were. And then he uses a word that is important for us to understand. The word consider. Can you say consider? consider. It means to observe carefully, to pay close attention. Look at what the author of the book of Hebrews does. He calls the church to remember their leaders and to pay attention to the way they live. That's a crazy verse. Pay attention to the outcome of their life. If it's someone that already passed away, look at how they lived from beginning to end. And if it's a leader that you have right now, look at how they live right now. And then he says this, and imitate their faith. That's also a countercultural statement, you know? In a secular society, when we say, well, I don't need anybody, all I need is myself, the Bible says, no, 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 no. You need people in your life that you can look at and imitate their faith. Notice that it doesn't say imitate their lives. You know why? Because we're different people. We like different things. We have different families, different contexts, different experiences, different things. What the Bible calls the church to do is to imitate the faith of the believers, of the, of the leaders. So if you are an elder, if you are a pastor, if you are a minister, if you are a lay leader, or if you are someone that the Lord has given some sort of leadership somewhere, this is for you. Ready? Look at what it says. If you want an example of what it means to be someone committed to God, you should be able to see that in the, leader, in, in the leadership of the church. If you want to know what it means to be someone that walks with the Lord, you should be able to see that in the leaders of the church. If you want to see what it means to be examples of someone that is quick to repent and quick to forgive, you should be able to see that in the leadership of the church. If you want to see what it means to trust the Lord in good times and at bad times, you should be able to see that in the leadership of the church. If you want to see an example of what it means to persevere, to love one another, to love your neighbor, to be gentle, to be people of grace, to be people of mercy, you should be able to see that in the leadership of the church. Because at the end of the day, leadership in the Bible is modeling Leaders lead by example. Do you know why? Because people follow people. That's a principle that on staff we talked a lot about. The Bible does not call leaders to be flawless or sinless because they don't exist. I hope you know that. What the Bible calls us to do, though, is that even in our sinfulness and failures, we show people what it means to live by faith. The worst thing that Jesus could do is to apply what he applied to the Pharisees, to the leaders of the church. You remember what he said about them? This is what he said. People, listen to what the Pharisees say. Don't do what they do. That's a crazy statement. Imagine that I go to your kids and I say, kids, I'm not saying this, kids. Example. 
Let's say that I go to you and I say, listen to what your parents say. Don't do what they do. Wouldn't that be crazy? And Jesus says, leaders, lead by example. Have you ever wondered why the book of Timothy and Titus have such a high qualifications for church leadership? Like their qualifications are crazy. Every time I read that, I feel terrible. Do you know why? This is what's interesting. When you read Timothy and Titus and you look at all the scriptures, you will notice that almost everything, 99% of the things that God asks of leaders are the same thing that he asks for the rest of the church. So, for example, it calls leaders to be patient. Not only leaders, people, the church. It calls people to be leaders to be gentle. Not only leaders, people, the church. So the question is, why, why put these high qualifications and leadership? Because of Hebrews chapter 13. Leaders lead by example. Elders lead by example. Pastors lead by example. Ministers lead by example. Lay leaders lead by example. This might be the reason why in Hebrews um, chapter thir uh, 13, verse 18, it says this. Please pray for us. I mean, he doesn't say please, but I added that because that's just, that's, that's just the cry. <laughs> please pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. Please pray so my conscience is clear. Please pray that my life gives glory to God. Please pray that I don't surrender to sin. And please pray that when I have surrendered to sin, I may cling to God again. The church prays for the leaders. The leaders church pray for the church because we lead by example. We lead by example. With great power comes great responsibility, said Spider-Man. <laughs> Just think about it. There's a difference when you are the leader, spiritual leader of a small group than when you are the spiritual leader of a large group. The consequences are the same. Everyone gets hurt. But the amount of people that gets hurt is greater. Did you know that that is the one thing the Lord uh, used to keep me awake at night right before I took this role? Listen, if I see my wife gets affected and my girls get affected. But if I'm a leader for a small group, not only my wife and my kids get accepted, but everything that is with me in my small group. And if I lead a small congregation, that congregation gets affected. And if I lead a large congregation, that congregation gets affected. And if people are watching online, everyone gets affected. <laughs> Leaders lead by example. This is precisely the reason why the book of Acts chapter 20 calls leaders... Um, to keep watch over themselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made the overseer, be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. This is what the author says. I have to take care of my heart as much as I have to take care of you because the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. Not just a building. 
not just a group of people that is looking at me. It's the church of Jesus. A few years ago, the Lord was um, shaping me into leadership by watching a movie. We Were Soldiers by Mel Gibson, or with Mel Gibson. You guys ever watch that movie? It's all right, but you should watch it. <laughs> right before he goes into war, he says this. He's doing this little speech to everyone. He says, I'm going to be the first one in the field, and I'm going to be the last one to leave it. And I remember sitting there and saying, that's leadership. Don't just do what I say. Do as I live. You know, I was talking about this for one of the brothers in the church right before the traditional service. And we, he was giving me this example. So how many athletes, famous athletes, now are, you know, they, they do some messed up things and then, you know, kids follow and the answer for many of them has been, well, I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. Listen, none of us here has an option whether or not you want to be an example. Everyone is an example. You choose to be a good one or a really bad one, but everyone is an example. Much more when we talk about church leadership and spiritual leadership. Number four, the book of Hebrews talks about leadership as shepherding. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 9, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And this seems like a weird couple of verses because they flow right out of verse 7 that I have been talking about all this time. And it seems like if the author is changing the topic, but I don't think he is. He's, what he's saying is that leadership, spiritual leadership is so important because we need to constantly remind people about Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus gained, and what Jesus wants. We all struggle with a spiritual um, forgetfulness. Therefore, leaders have the primary responsibility to remind people about Jesus 24-7. You know why? Because the tendency is for us to be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Did you know that a leader that teaches the Bible, preaches the Bible, reminds the Bible, applies the Bible, and does everything with the Bible is not, someone, is not just someone that is feeding the church, helping the church, instructing the church, but is someone that is protecting the church? Now listen up, church. I'm about to say something that is extremely personal. And I don't mean to hurt some of you, but I will. The primary responsibility of the leaders in the church is to preach, teach, and apply the Bible. Not politics, not sociological philosophies, not human traditions, not preferences, and not whatever people think is important. You want to do that? Do it outside the church. That's fine. But as a church, we stick to the book. Even if what the book says makes us feel uncomfortable like this teaching. That's what a church is. 
See, we, we feed the church and we protect the church when the Bible is at the center of everything we do. Amen? Number five, the book of Hebrews talks about leadership as stewardship. Now, I have to say, this is the most uh, complicated verse to explain and complicated verse to receive. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. All right, this is family, right? How many of you guys struggle with the word submission? Can you please raise your hand? Is there anyone here who doesn't struggle with the word submission? One, two, great. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. See, I think that the word submission, it's a loaded word. It has, it has baggage with it. It's not a complicated word to actually understand, really hard to apply. I actually think that the word submission in the near future will be one of those words that is politically incorrect to use. And I understand why. So, I mean, I, I could look at church history, and there has always been terrible examples of leadership, abusive power, and corrupt, and corrupt leadership. And so, therefore, I understand what is the resistance. And I also know that that's a word that is used in the context of marriage, and that has been misused as well, misused as well. So I get that, but just because there's a history and really, really, really bad examples doesn't mean that the word is a bad word. I mean, if it's, if it's a bad word, why would that word be applied to Jesus? Jesus submitted to the Father. If he was okay for Jesus, he must be okay for me. The Bible calls you and me to submit to authorities, even governmental authorities, as long as they're not asking us to go to violate our faith. You know why? Because we submit to the Lord first and then everybody else. Actually, it is when we submit to the Lord that we learn to submit to other people. Married people, for example, calls to each other to submit to one another. And then he calls the wife to submit to the husband. Children are called to submit to parents. Employees are, called to submit to, employees are called to submit to employers. And in the context of the church, we submit to one another and we submit to leaders. Now, this is what is interesting about that list, though. That we like some of those. So if you're in a position of leadership, you like submission. If you are the one on top. If you're a parent, you like submission when you apply it to your kids. But if you're the kid or if you're not the leader, I bet you that you don't like that word that much. I want to argue that everyone submit to somebody. That in the most, biblical, the most biblical explanation is for me you say that everyone must submit to somebody and that there's not such a thing as a Christian that does not know how to submit to anybody. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I don't submit to anyone? I don't need anybody. I would say, first of all, you got to read your Bible to begin with. And two, that is not true. You just don't know that you're submitting to some people. Therefore, I want to take the next two hours to explain what <laughs> submission is. <laughs> now, give me a few minutes, and I'll explain what submission is. 
It's important to understand that submission does not mean unconditional obedience. We are not supposed to submit to anybody that is violating our faith, that is going, asking us to do something against our conscience, and that is harmful to us. You're not supposed to submit in that way. Submission is about trust. Did you know that the word confidence there means trust? If the Lord has placed anybody in a position of spiritual leadership in your life, you must trust. If that person is actually, if that person also understands that he's there to serve or she's there to serve, to teach, to instruct, to be an example, to shepherd, to protect, and to care. As a father, that's why I want my, God, my daughters to submit to me. I hope they know that that's what I want to do. I understand that this is hard for some of us because of cultural influences or because of personal experiences. But you also got to see that submission is not something, listen up, church, submission is not something that leaders demand. Did you notice that the text is talking to the congregation? The text is not talking to the leader. He is not saying, Hannibal, go tell the church, you must submit. All I'm doing is explaining what the Word says. And the Word does not call me to demand submission from anybody. This is what submission is then. It's us, all of us, including the preacher, willingly submitting to someone that the Lord has placed there to serve, to teach, to instruct, to be an example, to shepherd and protect. That's why we submit. It gets better. Because then the text calls leaders to take this and remember that we must give an account of the church he's given us to lead. That's scary. As elders, pastors, ministers, and lay leaders, we will give an account of the people that the Lord has placed under our care. Who would want to be a leader? Why would anybody want to be a leader? Number six, and I'm going to skip the next verse here. Leadership is a calling. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Do this um, so that their work will be a joy, talking to the congregation, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. And I love this verse because the, the Bible is calling you to be nice. Please be nice. That's what it says. Right? My translation, joy. Please, please, come on, please, please, please. <laughs> but it also is talking to leaders. And it says that when God calls people to spiritual authority, spiritual leadership, we will experience both joy and pain. You see, nobody told me that at seminary. And I can tell you before the Lord that some of my best times has been being part of the church. 
and some of my worst. You know why? Because you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and we live in a sinful world. Therefore, pain is part of the job description. Who would want to be a leader? The ones called by God. Leadership in the church is significant because leadership is servanthood, heralding, example, shepherding, stewardship, and calling. The church is not my church. The church is the church of Jesus Christ. The church is not our church. It's the one that he bought with a price. This church is not our church. It belongs to God. So the second question will be, who, why would anyone honor this call? So if you are a leader, elder, pastor, minister, or lay leader, let me explain to you why you're a leader. Because God is good and he's full of grace. I don't qualify for this ministry. You don't qualify for your ministry. There are no entitlements here. No one is good enough. No one is truly qualified. Why would, why would the Lord then call people like us to do this kind of stuff? Because he wants to show his power through our weakness. And he wants to take the glory. That's why you don't have permission to idolize leaders. But at the same time, you ought to hold leaders accountable. But at the same time, the, the, the implication there for the church is that please, please, don't elevate leadership like it's the best thing. But at the same time, know that leaders are there for your good. Second thing, why would anybody uh, honor this call? It's because as, as leaders, this is a privilege and a responsibility. We're messing around with God's bride. The church is important. The church is worthy. That's why we do it. But for the rest of the congregation, he tells you, listen up, church, that you are not called to date the church. You know what dating means? You jump around from place to place. Please forgive me if you're visiting for the first time. <laughs> it's okay if you're looking for a church, then date two, three of, of them at the same time. But eventually, you must be present and you must be a member. You know that church um, growth experts, today they say that if you want the church to stop growing, we should, we should stop talking about membership because it's a big commitment. And every time I hear one of these experts, it makes me want to do it even more. This is the simple reasoning. Who do we know are the people that we're supposed to be responsible for if we don't know who the members are? Who do you know are the examples that you're supposed to follow if you haven't made a commitment to a church? How do I practice accountability before the Lord? How do you practice accountability before the Lord? How do I know who I'm supposed to take care of, pray for? See, I really want you to become members. And I know that there's got to be a person or two here that says, well, Hannibal, you don't understand. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. 
<laughs> that would be like me going to one of my friends and say, bro, I really love you, but your wife, I can't stand. <laughs> I, gu- I guarantee you that our friendship, man, is gone. <laughs> so listen, if you're not ready to become a member of a church, I understand. And maybe you need to take some time, and maybe you need to visit other places. And maybe you need to pray. Because membership in the church is not about showing up in one meeting once a year so you could vote for budget. Membership in the church is me committing to the guidance, to the guidance and leadership of a group of people that the Lord has placed there. And membership means that leaders take our call seriously. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a church that practices what the Bible calls to practice. May the Lord grant us to be that kind of church. Even if it's not popular, even if it's uncomfortable, even if we don't grow. Which I'm yet to see that when, the God, call, when God calls the church to do something, he always makes his church grow. We don't have to worry about that. That's his problem. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, your church is beautiful. So and so beautiful that the Bible says that you purchase it. You purchased it with your blood. So and so beautiful that you call it in the Bible your bride. So and so beautiful that you call the church your body. So and so beautiful, Lord, that you have called people to serve it, to love it, to shepherd it, to take care of it, to protect it, to guide it, to lead it. Lord, and I know that in our midst, there's many of us, Lord, that have responded to that call. And for those of us who have responded to that call, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you make of us the leaders that you called us to be. Even with our imperfections. Even with our, with our sins. That we may be quick to repent and to keep on going. And I pray, Lord, for the rest of the church. I pray, Lord, that you give us a culture in the church in which we trust each other. And which we trust the people that the Lord has placed here. And that we love you above everything else, Lord. And that we submit to you before we submit to anybody else. But at that same time, we submit to other people because we want to submit to you. By the power of the Spirit, please give us a church that knows how to lead well and follow well. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we all say...